problem now has become we, with our exposure to toxic halides like bromine and fluoride, we've become more, um, more iodine deficient, and at the same time our toxic load has gone up. So the iodine deficiency epidemic has actually gotten worse over the last 40 years, not gotten better. Wow. So micrograms, which apparently what the government uh, puts out and says we need an RDA level of literally thousandths of milligram, but you're saying that the body truly responds somewhere above 50, 60 milligrams and it's safe up to 120 milligrams a day. Well, what I'm saying is the RDA is not enough for the world we live in. Yeah. And the, the, the U.S. government's data shows it. And um, I think that we need milligram doses in today's world to supply our body with the iodine that it needs just to function normally. Well, the medical pro profession really took a bad turn in the early 1970s when they stopped diagnosing thyroid problems clinically and started relying on inaccurate lab tests. And, and the lab tests that they were using were basically, uh, they didn't know what to look for at that time. Was that what it was? Or early on the guys were just doing physical exams. I know Hertog and his father before him, uh, I know they had published some work about uh, using uh, glandular thyroid, I guess what we now call armor, right? Early on doctors would make a clinical diagnosis of hypothyroidism based on, <coughs> excuse me, mm -hmm. based on the patient's history, physical exam, and what was going on. And then in the early 1970s, the TSH test came out, and doctors suddenly shifted from relying on the clinical aspects to make a diagnosis and, and relying on a, solely on a blood test, pretty much eschewing all the clinical signs. Wow. So you presented an amazing talk where, based on over 10 books, I believe 11 books published you have out in the community. 13 books. Oh, 13 books. <laughs> okay. And in those books, you've identified a critical mineral and other minerals as well, but that really major one, somehow uh, toxins from bromide and chemicals have interfered with this mineral we call iodine, correct? Correct. Iodine efficiency is unfortunately alive and well in our 21st century and affecting more and more people. It, and it's amazing that when you've administered this therapy on literally thousands of patients and you have other practitioners who are doing the same, the results you're getting are rather astonishing. Uh, the internet's talking about your work, um, your books are presenting it well. And you're now working on getting to your colleagues and teaching the medical profession. Here's what we've got to do, right? Absolutely. And the results I've seen in my practice have been nothing short of astounding. And I want other people to start using it so they can help more people. Tell me about Graves' disease. I guess we also call that uh, hyper, hyperthyroidism, correct? It's an autoimmune thyroid disorder. It affects yeah. women much more frequently than men. And they can get high thyroid symptoms like palpitations, nervous, jittery. Do you feel that there's an origin to the disease? Is anything that we know that causes it probably? Well, my lecture today was on autoimmune thyroid disease and um, what I made the case was that low iodine is setting up people to get autoimmune thyroid disease and therefore the treatment should include iodine replenishment because over 96% of people are iodine deficient and that's been shown by you know, my data and the U.S. government studies show that our iodine levels have fallen 
nearly 60% over the last 40 years. So, Dr. David Brownstein, is it the Bible Belt, they call it, where there's a known uh, iodine deficiency? Is that the goiter more belt. goiter belt, excuse me. Is that more common in, in regions well, of what? Is it Michigan and, and Indiana? I mean, you practice it, in Michigan, right? It used to be more common in the Midwest where yeah. I live. Yeah. Um, but now, with us, with the whole country eating pretty much the same food supply, it's just it's a it's it's an epidemic across the country. It's not just localized to the Midwest. Now, why did you show information that uh, presented that iodized salt somehow uh, seemed to worsen uh, or cause more incidence of hypo or low thyroid? Well, iodized salt was introduced in the U.S. in the Midwest in the 1920s to treat the goiter epidemic, which was happening. Yes, and it was successful back then because people were iodine deficient back then. The problem now has become, we, with our exposure to toxic halides like bromine and fluoride, we've become more, um, more iodine deficient, and at the same time, our toxic load has gone up. So the iodine deficiency epidemic has actually gotten worse over the last 40 years, not gotten better. Wow. So micrograms, which apparently what the government uh, puts out and says we need an RDA level of literally thousandth of milligram, but you're saying that the body truly responds somewhere above 50, 60 milligrams and it's safe up to 120 milligrams a day. Well, what I'm saying is the RDA is not enough for the world we live in. Yeah. And the, the, the U.S. government's data shows it. And um, I think that we need milligram doses in today's world to supply our body with the iodine that it needs just to function normally. Also, what impressed me was that you've had some case studies where you felt, God, they, maybe they need surgery with the hyperthyroidism, the, the graves, but you stuck in there with them and kept them on a, an appropriate dose. Were there other therapies that you did that turned them around where they didn't require surgery at some point? Well, iodine shouldn't be used as a sole therapy. It should be used as part of a holistic treatment regimen mm -hmm. with correcting other nutritional imbalances, cleaning up the diet, helping the body detox. You know, all that stuff works together. So, you know, I try and take a full approach to my patients to treat them holistically. I'm really impressed that you're open to using salt. And not only that, you recommend it with thyroid patients. Uh, Dr. Bat Majelin, did you say you did some work with him or you were uh, familiar with his work as well? Sure, him and I communicated, you know, many times before his death. Yes. And um, I wrote a book on salt. And um, I've used salt in my practice for nearly 20 years successfully. And it's not a minor amount. It's, uh, by most standards, um, a good dose. I, I know Dr. Icano published his results using 10 grams of salt a day. And he showed so long as they were on a healthy, whole foods, low-fat diet that the individual's blood pressure actually dropped 10% in 10 days instead of going up, as you would expect, uh, at least as the public would believe. But you've found that somewhere between 10 and maybe upward to uh, 20 grams, some people with uh, low... Um, uh, low hormone levels of the ability to retain fluids in the tissues, such as uh, what, what uh, vasopressin and uh, uh, the, the various hormones that interfere with uh, tissue retention, they may need more salt. Absolutely. I've used salt successfully for hypertensive and non-hypertensive patients. Yeah. And hypertensive patients sometimes get hypertensive because they don't have enough salt in their diet. And counter-regulatory wow. mechanisms start to happen in the adrenals and the kidneys to help the body absorb more salt and raise the blood pressure.
Could it be too that um, when the early studies uh, about high blood pressure, uh, one is uh, people have more atherosclerosis now than in any time um, going back to the turn of the century. I mean, in George Washington's days, they were eating whole plant foods and farmers and maybe more active and their arteries were cleaner and healthier. And then uh, now we eat a lot more fats and sugars and processed foods and we have clogged arteries so blood pressure goes up. That's one cause, right? Well, there's no question that diet has a huge play and people need to eat a better diet. And, you know, I use the line to my patients, you can't ex eat bad food and expect to feel good. That's just not going to happen. And we should be eating food to supply our body with the nutrients it needs to optimally function, not eating junk food that takes nutrients out of our body. So exercise, getting quality sleep, a whole body approach, really uh, taking it on. And then uh, being sure that you get all the trace minerals, right? Not just the, the single nutrients, selenium and so forth. They're all important, aren't they? All the minerals are important. The body, those, are, those minerals are essential minerals. We can't live without them. And a good approach is to figure out what you're imbalanced in and correct those imbalances. body can do wonderful things if we give it the necessary means to do those wonderful things. And Dr. Brownstein, your, your work includes not only inter, endocrinological intervention regarding thyroid, but you look at the other hormones as well. If they're deficient in, say, testosterone or DHEA, um, you're supporting your patients in their, in their basic needs and what they have to do as they age. I've been using bioidentical hormones for close to 20 years. And, wow, beautiful. You know, uh, my second book was on the miracle of natural hormones about using the bioidentical hormones. And you and I talked about it, but you're intrigued about the new science, if it is new, I believe, uh, using protein peptides to enhance uh, longevity and quality of life. I've used them on and off throughout my career, and they, they've been effective when they're made from good, comp you know, good companies making them. Yeah, it was interesting what uh, the speaker earlier today, uh, Amin, was saying that uh, when they buy them off the internet, you don't know what you're getting. There's toxins, the dosages are diluted, they're probably not going to work. So you really have to have a reliable source of a good, well-known pharmacy. And so uh, that's part of your job is to, to identify the best and, and introduce your patients to the best. What is the outlook for people with Hashimoto's? I know it concerns people when they have it. What should they do? What, what, what is the beginning steps? Beginning steps is to educate themselves on mm -hmm. why this disease develops and, and how they can get out of it. And I wrote a book, Overcoming Thyroid Disorders, and my iodine, why you need it, why you can't live without it, that covers that. And I find many of my Hashimoto's patients can totally reverse the illness and have no signs of it, you know, by cleaning up their diet, correcting nutrient imbalances like iodine, and, you know, living a more holistic lifestyle. Now, you're also a believer in, in adrenal support because oftentimes thyroid uh, patients have adrenal fatigue as well. So whole glandulars, you mentioned biotics and a few other companies pr produce a, a, a quality whole glandular supplement that might help. Uh, what other things should we do for the uh, healthy adrenals? The adrenals are very important as yeah. part of the endocrine system, and I've used adrenal glandulars for years. Biotics is a company that makes very good glandular products, and um, their adrenal glandulars, I think, are better than everyone else's out there. So it, it, when a person is, is challenged with fatigue, lack of energy, they're gaining weight, you showed a picture of a lady who her face was just all puffed up and she, she had problems and her doctor prescribed her, I believe it was uh, probably just Synthroid and, and it didn't seem to respond. But you took a different approach, didn't you? You know, she came to me, she had read my books and she didn't want to be put on antidepressants and some yeah. of the other drugs that doctors were asking her to take. And she had Graves' disease, and I diagnosed her severely iodine deficient. And once we corrected that, along with a holistic approach, 
She reversed her illness, hasn't had symptoms since then. Now, Dr. Brownstein, initially some people taking significant dosages or proper dosage of iodine may for up to six months or longer have an increase in, say, TSH, the inverse relationship, so it suggests that their thyroid levels are, are apparently, what, dropping possibly. If it's TSH is up, then the uh, thyroid production is lower. What, that's, what that means is the body has to make more sodium iodine symporters or taxi cabs to move iodine from the bloodstream into the thyroid. So that's that raising TSH. That's, a, that's an expected response and a normal response. It'll usually go away in three to six months in a healthy person. So you like to monitor them over the course with uh, uh, blood tests. Do you do any 24-hour urine tests as well? I do blood, urine, hair testing, absolutely. Yeah. So over the course of monitoring then, you see them through these rough spots. And your books describe this quite well. Your website is what? www.drbrownstein.com. You're doing amazing work, and you know, for my personal uh, story that uh, the mother of my 23-year-old, uh, that she had hyperthyroidism, and then uh, after my son was born, 10 days after she died on Thanksgiving morning, and it was related to complications, that at that time, you know, I had no clue about what to do, and the doctors treating her, um, you know, really uh, didn't have a, a clue either. So I, I, I look at that, and I think, uh, you know, we, we go through life, and sometimes things are good and sometimes they just fall apart and I, I, I applaud you for the work you're doing. I think um, you know, we, we have to look at these um, aspects of life and, and the tragedies of life and I think I've been searching for answers about this because sometimes you, know, you live with that, the guilt, the feelings about sure. you know, what happened, what could I have done better, you know, how could I have saved her. And, um, here in your lecture today, um, my brother had told me about you, and then I had heard other doctors speaking of your work, and uh, to actually finally meet you, and hear your talk and the logic behind it. Uh, I, I like how you made that parallel to what Abraham Morgenthaler is talking about regarding testosterone and his struggle to teach and educate people about the seriousness of that condition, and aging itself uh, can be aggravated or worsened from thyroid disorders. Correct? Absolutely. So what would you like our audience to know in terms of um, getting to the cause of the problem? Um, we're still on there. So getting to the cause of the problem, what should we do when we're faced with a doctor who is open to learning, but maybe they don't know everything? So at this stage, they can go to your website. They can maybe, do you do an internship? Do you train doctors? Well, the first thing people need to do is not lose hope and search for answers and educate themselves. I mean. There are answers out there for many common conditions, and um, um, once, you know, at least in regards to thyroid problems, you know, conventional medicine has missed a lot of it, and I think there's a better mousetrap out there for people. They just have to search for it, and then they have to work with a healthcare practitioner who's knowledgeable about this. So, Dr. Brownstein, how do you answer the question when someone says, well, if someone has a thyroid condition and they talk about reverse T3 and so forth, that if you give them iodine, that the iodine's gonna be like adding fuel to the fire, it's gonna make that thyroid burn out faster and not function properly. What, how do you answer that? It's iodine deficiency that sets up the stage for autoimmune thyroid illness to happen. That's been shown by the government's own studies, which iodine levels have fallen over nearly 60% over the last 40 years at that same time autoimmune thyroid disease has increased at epidemic rates. Iodine doesn't cause, that, that disproves iodine as a causative factor for that. So if an individual starts on iodine, even a baby could have an iodine deficiency, true? 
The mother's deficient, absolutely. And how do you administer, like Lugol's, you use a liquid for the babies, or how do you so administer it? Best way for the baby is to get it from the mother if she's breastfeeding. Yes. And the mother's got enough iodine. But, you know, I have new mothers put iodine in baby's milk, and they can get it that way, too. Wow, yeah. And I've heard of myxedema. Is there an increased incidence of mental retardation in, in children who are born to iodine-deficient, thyroid-deficient uh, mothers? No, not so much from that. I mean, we're not... We, we're not to that point yet where we're severely hypothyroid, um, but it's, it's ADD, autism, you know, oh. a lot of those problems are increasing related to that. So you think there's an association to low iodine in, in autism? That's been shown in other countries and shown in our country. Okay. A tough question. How do you feel about the movie Vaxxed? Have you seen it? Are you familiar with this, the work about the concern about vaccines? And I've been blogging and writing about that for, since the beginning and the movie was very upsetting, and everybody should see the movie and yes. make their own decisions. Yeah, I was on a panel on fight vaccines and talking about it with um, some of the, the main people in that movement, and I, uh, it's hard to ignore the science. It's, it's real. We, we, we have to start paying very attention. Sad. You know, um, it's tough when you're kind of out there in a forest and you're one of the only people that's standing up. Um, Big Farm is strong, and there's a lot of funding. There's a lot of lobbyists. Um, I think it's just educating people one person at a time, right? You got that right. And the Internet can be our savior because for people who need the information, there is information out there. So in, in conclusion then, if, if a, a person needs iodine, it's safe to take it throughout their lifetime and they can be tested too to, to make sure they haven't overshot or they haven't developed like say high thyroid uh, symptoms, right? Iodine was the most used medical item before patent medicine took hold. Sure, you need iodine through every life stage, and um, it can be very safe, and it just needs to be done correctly. Fukushima, radioactive exposure. This is going to be a problem because the thyroid, if it's deficient, doesn't the um, radioactive particle seek the thyroid gland first? It seeks wherever iodine can bind to, the thyroid, the ovaries, the uterus, the breast, prostate, all those tissues which we're all having all these problems with. Dr. Brownstein, it seems rather counterproductive for a person who might have a thyroid disorder to give them radioactive thyroid. And you mentioned if it not only goes to thyroid, it goes to all the tissues of the body, uh, the I ovaries, the breasts, the radioactive testicles. treatments should be stopped. There's no excuse for treating people like that. If they have a severe thyroid problem, they should be surgically treated. If that's what's needed, I, I wouldn't use radioactive iodine. And you agree with the earlier speaker, he talked about parathyroid as well, uh, surgical intervention or? Somewhat, you know, yeah, but there, there's, there's some nutritional interventions there too that could be done. What would that be? Iodine. Yes. Um, boron is very helpful for parathyroid problems and cleaning up the diet and you know, everything else we've been talking about. Now you said boron, but I, I've, I mentioned a doctor earlier today said something about people are taking supplemental bromide. That seems insane. Yeah, bromide's a toxic halide that shouldn't be supplemented. Now bromide's showing up in bread, is that true? Brominated flour is used all through the U.S. That's why our bromide levels have gone up over the last oh my gosh. four years. What were you saying about it's in the carpet? I, I, I didn't it's follow that. It's a fire retardant in, in consumer oh. goods. Wow. Carpeting, uh, drapes, uh, computers, cars. What would you like our audience to know? How can they detoxify? Give me five simple steps to, to really challenge this problem that we're all Number facing. Number one, they need to educate themselves. That's why I write my books. Number two, they need to drink enough water and keep hydrated. They need adequate amounts of salt in their diet. They need to correct nutritional deficiencies and identify 
which toxic levels are high, and then you help your body release that stuff. Beautiful. What's your website again, and how can they reach you? www.drbrownstein.com. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Hi, Dr. Nick Delgado here. Please give us a review on iTunes, and we'll be happy out of the group of reviews to choose a lucky winner of one of our award-winning products. It could be EstroBlock, Adrenal DMG, Stem Cell Strong, or even Power and Speed. We'll ship you a bottle at no cost. You'll enjoy it just from basically giving us a review on iTunes. Also, visit DelgadoProtocol.com. That's DelgadoProtocol.com and take our free hormonal quiz. Looking forward to assisting you to be your absolute best.